This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. Hello, feline friends. This is Michelle Fern, your host on Catitude. And my next guest breeds, maybe I'm probably ignorant of this, but I'm not even so familiar with these breeds. She is the owner of Elevated Cattery, and she breeds Tonkinese and Balinese emotional support cats. So interesting. We'll be right back. Hey everyone, Michelle Fern here. You know, I have a crew of cats and they all have their own distinct personality. You know, Dennis, as soon as I eat anything, it doesn't matter what it is, he's right by my side, even if he doesn't like it. And while it could be really cute, it sometimes is annoying. Then there's Charlotte. Well, Charlotte basically runs around and hides all the time. And then, of course, we have Molly. When I'm working, all of a sudden, the back of my chair, Molly flies on top of it and sits there. And it can be so distracting. All my crazy cat crew, those things I could live with. What I cannot stand is a stinky litter box. So I use Arm & Hammer Clump & Seal. It clumps tight around the odor and seals it in. So no more smelly litter box, no more smelly house. It destroys for seven days. So I have a seven-day odor-free home because a home with kitties and a litter box that doesn't stink is a happy home. Arm & Hammer, more power to you. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back, everyone. I'd like to introduce Heather Gibson. She's the owner of Elevated Cattery, and she breeds emotional support Tonkinese and Balinese cats. Heather, welcome. Thanks. I'm so excited to be on your show today, Michelle. Well, I'm excited to have you. And am I just missing something here? Are Tonkinese and Balinese cats, are they a fairly new breed or a rare breed? They're definitely lesser known, that's for sure. Tonkinese in their ancestry are a mix between Siamese and Burmese. And then Balinese are a long-haired version of Siamese cats. I had a feeling with the, when I heard, saw the unease and ease, I thought there must be Siamese in there, but I don't know, you know, and I know with the dog world, there's so many mixes. There's a this doodle and a this a poodle and a that, you know, there's so many and you don't hear of quite as many in the cat world as far as mixed breeds. So that is pretty interesting. How did you come to start Elevated Cattery and decide to raise these two breeds for emotional support cats? That's a great question. It's definitely been a journey. Um, my husband and I were foster parents for about 10 years. And I remember one day my kids were fighting over our two dogs. And I thought, we need some more pets around here, but I don't want any more dogs. And we had a cat, but I decided to do some research and find a cat that was very dog-like. And so I started to do some research. And we started actually with Burmese. And we just bought a sibling set of three Burmese cats that were all spayed or neutered. 
to come in and help out our, our family and help with their touch needs and their desire to be, you know, around a pet or a, a person that loved them. And so it kind of evolved. And each time I realized how hard it was to find the pet. And I decided to try a litter. I was encouraged by a breeder to try a litter. And the breeder actually was breeding Tonkinese as well as Burmese. And when I saw the Tonkinese, I just loved the color variation. They have three colors of eyes. They have three coat patterns and four coat colors. And I loved the variety. And they were very outgoing, very dog-like. And so that's where I started. About six and a half years ago, I started breeding Tonkinese. And as I was working with them, I really had a passion to breed cats that were first healthy, but second had amazing personalities. And so as I went through this journey of of breeding, I found that to get in with breeders across the country that had good lines and those healthy lines, I had to start showing cats. And so I actually show my Burmese too, I mean my Tonkinese, which most people wonder what's a cat show. And I don't know how much your listeners know about cat shows, but it's it's kind of interesting. You can YouTube it and see it. But the boy I have right now is actually the top in the world um, in the Tika organization wow. in Tonkinese. Yeah. Let me just ask, is it anything like a dog show? Because that they televise and people have probably seen that. But it's pro- I'm sure it's not exactly because cats, cats. Most cats are not on leash. You can walk exactly. them, but not. So what there is, is it's all on confirmation. So they're looking to see if the cats match the standard that they have for the breed. So at most of the shows I go to, we have eight different judges that come in, sometimes 10, and they do four to five rings a day. And the judge just goes all through the day and is judging all the cats there. And it's kind of like his individual show there where he goes through all the cats, he gives awards to all of them, or she gives awards to all of them. And then, you know, it's the same for the other four or five judges that day. They have a ring of cages around them. There's usually, let's see, 12, 12 to 16 cages around each judge. They put up the cat's number. You bring up your cat. You put them in the cage. When the judge is ready, the judge takes them out of the cage, puts them on a table in front of them, judges the cat on how it's, you know, the standard. For Tonkinese, they're looking for a medium-build cat. They're very muscular. They're looking for a specific break in the nose. Those kinds of things that they match, you know, the eye color matches the coat and the um, color of the cat. And then not matches as far as, like, if they have blue eyes, they don't have a blue coat. But pointed Tonkinese cats always have blue eyes. So that's what they're looking for. And so it's really interesting and fun. And there's lots of local ones around you. If any of your listeners are interested you can just Google cat shows and you can find one in your area to go watch and see what they're like. That's pretty interesting because I I knew there are cat shows, but I didn't know what they looked for. So that's pretty interesting. Now, how do the Tonkinese and Balinese, how did you come to breed them for emotional support cats versus just, you know, breeding them? Yeah. So it's definitely a passion born from my time as a foster parent and seeing different mental health issues. I've had depression and anxiety myself. And then some of my kids that have come in and we've adopted four from foster care had severe PTSD and, you know, a lot of other emotional 
issues and to watch them interact with the cats. I have a daughter that will get really upset and overwhelmed and she'll tell me, I can't talk to you, mom. I'm going to go upstairs and talk to the cat. So (laughs) it's been very therapeutic to have them in our home and a wonderful, wonderful thing. I picked Tonkinese to start with. Well, I guess I started with Burmese and switched to Tonkinese. I found that Tonkinese were a little bit more friendly than the Burmese, at least the ones I worked with. I know Burmese are also extremely friendly. And then about two and a half years ago, I started working with Balinese because they have less of a protein. It's called the feline B1 protein, which is what most people are allergic to. So I had clients coming to my home that were interested in getting a cat for their family. And they had some allergies going on, and the allergies were enough that they couldn't get a cat. Mild allergies. There's no hyperallergenic cat. So I just want to make sure that everyone knows that you don't run out and get a cat and think that you're going to have no allergies. I definitely recommend meeting with a cat before you get one if you want to, if you're worried about allergies. Right. And just to make a point, even sphinx cats, which don't have fur, which most people think the, you know, the allergies are due to the dander in the fur, that's not necessarily always the case. I mean, I happen to be allergic to not cat fur, but their skin. But mine is mild and I take an antihistamine and it's fine because I have a lot of fur and I have I have five fur babes in the house and and so but there's but yeah there's a lot of myths when people say that because there's a lot of different things you can be allergic to however you can always make it milder you know and yeah. like you said and minimize it for the most part so it's it's super manageable so okay go ahead I've had good success with the Balinese people that have allergies have come over and met with my cats and they've been able to either have milder symptoms or if they already have mild symptoms, some almost have none. And it's it's really interesting, the science between, behind that feline D1 protein. All the Balinese have different levels. So again, it's really important that people, if they're worried about allergies, meet with the cat first. But that's how I got into Balinese. And then I've just really worked hard to make sure I have super outgoing parents because I feel like that personality transfers to the cat. Very interesting. Okay, we're going to take a short break and we're going to come back and ask more about how about the emotional support side of it. So we'll be right back. We have a 12-year-old German Shepherd named Sophie, and she became overweight, stinky, greasy coat, and lifeless almost. Then about four years ago, we found out she had several vertebrae used together. She was unable to walk. The vet told us Sophie was going to have to be euthanized. I thought, I've got to do something. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. I remember Sophie starting the Dynavite, and she from day one has loved it. She is no longer stinky. She is full of life. Dynavite healed Sophie. Dynavite is nutrition. I truly recommend that people not wait until the vet recommends euthanasia. You have to get them on Dynavite right away while they're healthy. Dynavite for life. You won't believe how happy your dog will be. I get my Dynavite from D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. 
Welcome back, everyone. We're talking with Heather Gibson. She is the owner of Elevated Cattery, and we're talking about how her Tonkinese and Balinese cats are great emotional support cats. So we talked a little bit about the history and how you came to create Elevated Cattery. How do you decide what cat will help with what? Or I mean, there's some that are better with children. There's some that are better with adults. And there's a range, whether it's, you know, emotional support or someone with Alzheimer's. Or is it kind of um, selecting the cat to fit the the, the uh, occurrence, you know, whether it's depression or anxiety or Alzheimer's? Or is it more this cat will be okay for you. It's not a matter of matching it with the uh, ailment, for lack of a better word. Yeah, that's a great question, Michelle. What I've found is that most of my cats are very good with kids and adults. That's part of the personality that I really try and breed for. So what I'm looking for when I have a call and someone wants a, you know, a specific cat for a specific reason, it really doesn't have to do with ailment. It all has to do with personality. My best Emotional support cats are usually more outgoing. Uh, they are, I would say, mildly, annoyingly friendly because they want to, you know, have that attention. So they're seeking out people and they want to be on your lap and they want to be cuddled. And I find that works really well for people that are, especially if you're going through a little depression or anxiety, sometimes you don't want to seek out the cat. You need a cat that comes to you and wants to sit on you. And it's actually... One of the things they found is the purr of the cat is very healing. Uh, it's very regulating and calming. And so for an emotional support animal, you want something that's going to come to you, that's going to be very friendly and is going to seek you out if that's what you need. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. But for people that are listening and they're going, you know, I have um, an elderly parent with Alzheimer's or I, you know, have a child that's very withdrawn or maybe like Asperger's or some autism. How can a cat really help this? And, you know, because you, you do have mindsets that just don't get it, especially if they're, they've never been a pet parent. What would you say to that? And I get it because I am a pet parent of, of many, and I get it. My personal opinion, I think they sense what you're feeling and come to you, especially, you know, how you put it, cats that are dog-like, because one of mine is, and he's part Ming Coon. But how do you think that, you know, the cat would just know? And do you think it would be more of someone, say, you know, someone with Alzheimer's might not be able to be a, the pet parent, but could have their pet kind of be a a foster in a way, have the cat, you know, visit or so forth. But what do you say about people that say, you know, how could this really make a difference or how could this, how does it work basically? Yeah, that's a great question. It's really hard to see it unless you experience it, but it does bring people out of their shell. I have a son on the autism spectrum and so I'm familiar with, you know, the symptoms and such and he's very high functioning, but it's, when they have a pet to interact with, it creates a social bond in a way that can be transferred with people. And I think it's so fascinating to read all the studies that they're doing now with pets and people and seeing the benefits of them. But it's definitely creating that connection. Not only it helps release chemicals that, you know, you get when you're happy. So you're releasing serotonin and cortisol and 
when you're interacting with a pet, say you have a child that's less social, it brings them out of their shell more. They're able to interact with the pet in a safe way that maybe they don't feel like they can do with other children. Sometimes it can be a good talking point for them because they like to go share their pet with other people. And so there's a lot of benefits. I would encourage them to do a little research on it because there's some good research out there. And speaking of, I don't know if you've heard of this organization, PAL, Pets Add Life. I haven't heard of that one. They do a lot of work at uh, the Global Pet Expo. And the numbers that they pull as far as, you know, pets adding, you know, they're not just, first of all, we don't call them our pets anymore. They're our fur kids. We're pet parents, you know, so there's Uh been so much work done. And they even have the, the kind of one of their missions and goals and and it's happening is that rather than a doctor, you know, write a prescription, you know, take these pills or, you know, or get these injections or something, get a dog, get a cat, get a kitten, get a puppy and do that. And let's see how that works for you. And of course, for people that are listening, it doesn't mean if you have, you know, something physically wrong with you, get a puppy or something. But, you know, like you said, if you have some anxiety or depression, rather than take medication, you know, try a pet and, you know, try to get a fur kid and see how that works. So, you know, to just to respond how you said that there's so much more research, there is a lot and it's becoming just increasing all the time. And how we see our, you know, our pets, our fur kids, they're our family members is so different than even just even even 10 years ago, even 20 years ago. It's huge. And if you go back even further, it, there's been a, a massive difference. So I think that what you're doing is just past the forefront, but it's doing so much good to bring this sense of betterness to people that are suffering from different types of things like depression and so forth. And like you said, to bring people, you know, that have other issues out of their shell and everything. What about the care of the pet? Do you think, I mean, if someone's depressed or anxious, they could take care of a pet, you know, because it's generally depression and anxiety are not on a continuous level. But what if someone gets a pet for someone with Alzheimer's, do you think, how would that work? Well, you definitely need to do it in a safe way for the pet and make sure that they're getting supervised if needed, to make sure they're getting fed and the care that they need. Cats are wonderful because a lot of them don't need a high, high amount of care. I mean, we do need to make sure their litter is getting scooped, that they're getting fed in fresh water every day. But if someone came in once a day and checked on them, they do great. So that they make an ideal pet. They're easier than dogs as far as care, especially in a situation where you might worry about that. So I would just say make sure that the cat's safe and enjoy it. Enjoy the pet with them. And then we've talked about, you know, a couple of ailments like depression, anxiety, but even for those of us that are just stressed on our daily level, you know, maybe we have high blood pressure or we're close to that, or we just have a lot going on in our lives. How does a pet help with that? That's a great question. Again, Michelle, we have such a high paced life these days. It's not like it was 50 years ago. We're tethered to our phones. Everything is now, now, now. A cat helps you just be in the moment to calm down. Uh, Again, some of the studies show that the purring helps lower blood pressure and it just helps you be present and enjoy a moment when you're in a very fast-paced life. 
That is so true because I think for all the pet parents out there listening, you know, most of us or probably majority of us, if not all of us, have had those kind of crazy days and you cut home, you're like, oh, I have to just feed my cat, I have to do the litter, I have to talk the dog or this, or that. And then your cat jumps on you and just says, hey, just chill with me for a minute, you know? And they look at you, the purse starts, and you just think it's um kind of like having a martini, but not because it just relaxes you and just puts, right? A cat martini. Well, yeah. that sounds weird, cat martini. But, you know, rather than, okay, I'm going to go home, I have to have a beer martini to just chill out. No, better. Just have your cat jump on you, which is, you know, pretty common for most cats when you get home from a busy day. And just, you know, chill with me. And the purring starts and they look at you like you're the best thing in the world. And, you're calm, you're at ease. It just makes the whole day better, you know? Maybe we could start something instead of take a pill, take a cat. <laughs> I love it. That's you great. Know? It's something like that. Heather, it's been so great talking to you. Where can people find out more about what you do um, and about Elevated Cattery? So I have a website. It's elevatedcattery.com. But I do most of my posting right now on Facebook. So just Elevated Cattery emotional support animals on Facebook. That's where I put up all my new pictures. I try and post stuff about different topics around emotional support animals and things that I'm up to. So best two places. Well, we'll have all that information on the show page for this episode as well. Thank you so much for coming on Catitude and sharing all this great information about Tonkinese and Balinese cats and how they can help your emotions and more yeah thanks for having the show it was a lot of fun to be on your show well that was certainly interesting and i had no idea that tonkinese and balinese cats were um kind of quote dog-like you know and i thought just maine coon were but that's good to know and it's great the you know if you're battling any kind of depression anxiety maybe have a loved one or child that's you know with alzheimer's or asperger's or going through difficult things get a cat you know they're low maintenance and they could do so much for someone they just you know as pet parents we just get it but if there's you know someone close to you that's not a pet parent educate them let them know that you know they're going through a rough time get a cat it will help it will help and um, I want to thank my guest, Heather, for coming on to Catitude and sharing this great information with us. And as always, you can find out more information on the show page uh, for this episode. Um, just go to PetLifeRadio.com. We vamped our site and made it even easier for you to find the show, which of course is Catitude. And then you can just click on it and look for the this show and there'll be information on Heather Gibson and what Elevated Cattery and a link to her site and uh, find out more information and I would like to thank my producer Mark Winter for making me and my guests sound wonderful thanks to all the pet parents out there listening and supporting Catitude you've made Catitude one of the most popular shows out there so thank you a thanks to my cat crew that calmed me down and with my hectic lifestyle they're a blessing so thank you to um, Dennis who's my most dog-like cat Molly Charlotte Sammy and Jazz and also thanks to my pooches Mr. Z and Nikki because 
you know, they're, they're wonderful too. And I don't mention them all the time. I'm catitude, but I have a mixed family. So cats and dogs. And um, thank you all for listening to Catitude. Keep listening because you never know what's coming up. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.